Hey everybody, we just wanted to give you a quick trigger warning. This week's episode discusses topics that include sexual assault and rape. So if you or someone listening has been affected by this crime, you may want to skip this week's episode. If you need help, professionals are ready to help you. The National Sexual Abuse Hotline is open 24 hours a day. The number is 1-800-656-4673. Please know that you're not alone. What's up, everybody? It's Andrea. This week, we have a new alien race, a new kick-ass costume, and a new very punchable face. Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking Season 5, Episode 12, entitled Violations. This episode was written by Shari Goodhart's T. Michael and Pamela Gray, and directed by Robert Weimer. Sharice, this episode talks about some really triggering things, so I just want to put this trigger warning out. This episode does contain topics um, referencing like sexual assault and rape, so if this is a triggering subject for you or for somebody who may be listening, this might be a good episode to skip, and we'll just see you next week. Um, At the bottom of the... uh, episode, I will have um, a hotline for people to call if they have experienced sexual assault and need some guidance and counseling. Um, But for now, let's just jump right in. Um, In this episode, a member of an alien delegation traveling with the Enterprise molests members of the crew using telepathy, which is a really crazy like premise for -hmm. something that's all too familiar. What were your initial thoughts on this episode? You know, when I first hit play. <laughs> I was really nervous because this is one of the most memorable TNG episodes. This is one oh, of those episodes. Sure. Yeah, this is one of those episodes I've never forgotten my entire life. And I remember it being um compelling, but really all I remembered was Troy being assaulted. Like that's yeah. all I really remembered about this episode. So I was really nervous going into it because I've never done a scene by scene analysis of it. And I didn't know how like graphic it was going to be it's kind of like Mm -hmm. when we watched the game and all i remembered was like the really cringy you know orgasm faces and i was kind of like what i don't i don't know what i what to expect from this episode and then i watched i was like oh that's not the whole episode that's like a few scenes but the whole Mm -hmm. episode so many other things that's kind of what i felt going into this i was like oh i don't know i don't know about this um but at the end it wasn't as there were there were even more violations than i remembered (laughs) there was so much more that i remembered uh, what about you? Uh, my initial thought was, no, not this one. Please, not this one. This episode stands out in my mind, I think, the same way it does for you. I've never forgotten this episode. Um, I was surprised pleasantly, you know, at the tail end of watching this episode where I was like, I know that Jeff gets caught, but... I don't remember how, because he had painted his father into this like very incriminating corner. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it seems like they've got their man and off they go. And it's like, wait, but there's still like seven minutes left and they haven't caught the right guy. So like, how, how are they going to catch him? Right. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of nice to have like a unclear sort of memory of the ending. Mm-hmm. But man, I remember the violations and I remember the costumes being like epic. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I want the Yulian's outfits. I so want their badly. I want their like great coat. Oh my god. Yeah, their with coat those with cutouts. the triangle cutouts. Oh so cool. Like and it's like thick wool. Mm-hmm. Beautiful job to the designers. Beautiful job. And then underneath, we've got this beautiful wrap that's kind of different shades of white and yes. tan and pale. It kind of was giving me these um these like Star Wars vibes. Like yes. that's something that Ray would wear. And I just was, I was all about it, all about it. I was like, was, I hated their makeup, but I yeah, was obsessed me too. with their costumes. Same. Like the, the like makeup on their head and their ears was really creepy yeah. to me, but their costumes rocked. It maybe um, was cool without HD, but I can't picture it without HD. So I just am <laughs> like, mm, it just looks like gross stuff spackled all over their face. I wasn't yeah, a fan. It really does look like spackle. All right, let's jump in. <laughs> I've always really loved this opening sequence. There's something very asmr about this intro. 
Keiko is being like mentally probed to retrieve a hidden memory. So the Yulians are like memory archaeologists. They They're telepathic historians. Yes. How cool Which is, is so that? Cool. That is what? the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yep. <laughs> what an amazing premise, too. It's like everything in this episode was really, really cool and groundbreaking in its yes. in its um novelty. process. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's novelty. And like the fact that rape and sexual assault happens is not awesome. But if you replace that with some other crime they were committing, this episode would be like a top five episode yeah. of Star Trek, I think. Oh, totally. Like if it was like theft. Yeah, yeah, this is the yes. best episode I've ever seen. Of ever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Keiko is being like probed to retrieve this hidden memory that she couldn't ever quite place. She's seen this like white cup that is chipped in her memory for years, but could never like place like where or who Why it was or important. when. Yeah, yeah. And they're like probing her and they're asking her questions and they're like, "Can you can you put your finger in the cup? Can you run your finger around the edge? Is it tea? Can you taste it?" And it's amazing because they're in ten forward. And the head, Yulian, whose name we don't know yet, is like holding the shape of a cup in his hand, but with just holding air. And she is interacting with the cup that he's holding, like the air cup. But in her mind, she's seeing all of it like in real time, which is so cool. And it's her mother's paintbrush cup that she used to wash her brushes when she would do like calligraphy. Just so amazing. It was her, it was her grandmother's cup. Um, and she tells the story of how she used to sit with her grandmother and watch her paint letters for hours and hours. And it was her job to refill the cup of water. So she would mm-hmm. go and fill the cup and come back and then sit. And her grandmother would hum the whole time that she would draw these beautiful characters. And she was like, I remember humming and I remember like a cup, but I couldn't place it. And after she has this memory where she envisions all of this stuff. She kind of opens her eyes. And she's like, oh, I remember everything. I used to be this age and I used to do this. And it was with my grandmother mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And you're like, whoa. It was so it literally unlocked this memory that was buried in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But the context was all gone. And I thought that this was just a really beautiful gift to give to Keiko. Because obviously it was something extremely important to her. But because she was so little, she just couldn't hold on to all the details. And watching this, I was like, I would be so down for the Yulians to like retrieve some random memory from when I was a kid of something that was really important to me, but I've forgotten all the context. Um, Especially if you have the, which it seems like you have the choice of which memory they retrieve because Keiko was very specific about there was this cup and I don't know the rest. Um, And I want to know what, what you think about that because throughout the episode, the Yulians are kind of like, Hey, how about you? How about you? How about you? Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I was like, I would totally do it. I mean, as long as I could pick, if there's going to pick random stuff, no. But if I get to pick, which it seems like you do, because Keiko did, I'd be so down for that. What about you? I thought the exact same thing. I was sitting there watching this and kind of going over in my mind, like, do I have sort of a fragment of a memory that I can't put any context to? Um, And I'm sure I do, but it's kind of like when you're on a date with somebody and they're like, so what movies do you like? And suddenly you can't recall ever seeing a movie ever (laughs) where you're like, ah, (laughs) like I can't choose. Like (laughs) if they chose a memory for me, I feel like I'd be like, "Mm, not no, because who knows what they can unearth that you're like, oh, I don't want to remember that. But if I could pick something totally, I just struggle to think of like, is there like a fragment of a memory that I can't remember like the whole story of? Um, and if I could, then absolutely, absolutely, I would. Mm. Um, so we get to see that the Yulians are like a trio. It seems to be a family. It's an older man, Tarman, his wife, who I don't know if we ever get a name for, and his son, Jev. Yeah, I don't think we get her name. And I don't know if that is his wife. I think that's just another woman who's on the team, actually. Because... He, oh, I always thought yeah. they were a family unit. Mm-mm, no, I don't think so. Because Jev only calls Tarman dad. And Tarman says, my son. And they never refer to the woman in any type of relationship, nor do they even say her name. Oh so I believe she's just God. another member of the exploration team. Oh, wow. I literally never, ever thought of that. I've watched this episode a hundred times and I've always just assumed it was like the mom. Um, so we end up having this like welcome dinner. And Jeff talks to Picard about the memory library that they're building. Um, but Tarman like cuts him off to describe the project. and. I, there was a, a moment that stood out to me where, you know, Jeff is like, is there any, or sorry, Tarman is like, is there anybody whose memory you want probed right now? 
come on. And everybody's very like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. And they even like intend forward jokingly say like, hey, Riker, do you want some memories like unlocked? And he's like, none that I would have in front of an audience, which I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, because you're a super horn dog. <laughs> like, totally. We've seen all your conquests. Like it's, we don't need to relive it. But Beverly is like, Captain, you might have some very interesting memories that could do with some exposing. And he's like, nah, I don't think so. And she's like, are you sure? Winky wink. And at eight minutes and 20 seconds, Picard gives her the biggest stink face Mm-hmm. ever in response he's like <laughs> he yeah i don't know why bev was i don't know why bev was so anxious to push picard under the bus i was she like what was. is she what does she want to know exactly like any memory she wants from him he'll probably just tell her so i don't know why yeah. he's so like she's so captain you should do it you really should there's only once in a lifetime blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah but then she's not quick to raise her hand for her memories to yeah, be Yeah, it was like, speak for yourself, Beverly. Seriously, if you're so excited about it, you do it first. You do it first. Yeah. So, I don't know. Everybody was very, very hesitant to get their memories exposed for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a lot of, I guess they don't have a lot of privacy on the ship. So, that's maybe their one thing. I mean, they don't even have locks on their doors. Maybe yeah. that's the one thing that they have that can be private. Who knows? The memories. <laughs> Their memories. Uh, that's the one thing they have a lock on, except when there are telepaths around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did I did notice that um, Tarman just cut Jev off in the middle of him talking about the library and how excited he was. And and it was just kind of like, well, that was kind of a dick move. He couldn't mm-hmm. he couldn't finish his thought because it wasn't like, yeah, totally. Like he wasn't adding on to what he was saying. You and I re- yeah. interrupt each other all the time. But we're adding to what one another's saying. We're so excited about what one another's saying. We're not yes. shutting one another down so that we can get the spotlight and the other one can be seen as really small. And I just thought, wow, dad, I feel like you kind of created a monster by treating your son in a way that makes him feel like he has, yeah, invisible, invisible and powerless. And that's like, so unnecessary. And then a little bit later in the conversation, um, the woman of the group talks about how Tarman is one of the most gifted Yulians at memory retrieval. And it turns out that not all Yulians are telepathic not all yulians can do this this is something Mm -hmm. that you train for years and years to do which i thought was fascinating because beta zeds are all telepathic Mm -hmm. um and so i was like oh that's interesting and so when tarman got that that compliment he takes the opportunity to be like oh yeah there was this one time when jeff spent days with this other alien race and couldn't do anything and i showed up and boom instantly i found Mm -hmm. it and it was like really you're competing with your son that's a little sad like who competes with their child um my mom (laughs) that's weird to me i mean i'm not a parent but i am a child and i just if my mom was competing with me you know i do have an older sister who competes with me sometimes and it confuses the world out of me because i'm Mm -hmm. like why would you compete with me we're totally Mm -hmm. different people we have nothing in common other than our parents coincidentally (laughs) yeah sperm and egg we have parents alike but like we have nothing in common why are you competing with me so if my mom was competing with me, I'd be like, what is wrong with you? What? I don't understand. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the Soliton wave episode because you know how they have the waves that are like yes. the, the planet shoots one wave and the sister <laughs> the planet shoots another. two waves make the wave bigger. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you and I are constructive <laughs> waves. Our yes. waves interact to make the waves bigger. The Soliton waves were supposed to clash with each other. Those are destructive waves. And I feel like Tarman is a destructive wave for Jeff. Like mm-hmm. anything Jeff says, he gets excited about. Tarman is like, don't listen to him. He's an idiot. But I, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man. I will say, my mom does not try to cut me down in front of people. If that, like, he, she doesn't mm-hmm. go as far as like Tarman does. But mm-hmm. if I start doing really well in something, she has to like remind everybody, like, remember, I did it first, though. Like, I was the original, whatever. It's like, okay, mom, you can take your take your medals and your accolades. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. So that like, it, it is crown. confusing. It, yes, it is confusing, and it is hurtful because it's like, um, I'm just excited about this thing. Can I just not talk about that thing? Like, so yeah, I I definitely know. Yeah, I, or like, can yeah. you just can you just celebrate me? And then that's the end mm-hmm. of the statement. Can't you just be like, oh, that's awesome. Period. Yeah. Not, oh, that's awesome. But I'm better. Like, we don't need that second part. You could say that part in your head. <laughs> like, we don't we don't need that. Yeah. Um, Troy really um, understands that, too. Like, she she goes, Jev at some point gets up and just walks away from the table because Tarman's cutting him down in front of everyone. And everyone else is just kind of looking around awkwardly. 
And Troy excuses herself to go and say, hey, you know what? I have a mother just like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's what I try to do to cope with it. And and Jeb's like, does that ever work? And Troy's like, no, it doesn't. Absolutely not. <laughs> but it's what I try to do to cope with it. And it's just But I'll really let you know cute, when it does. Yeah. It's a really cute moment. And, you know, as she walks away to her quarters and is like wishing him luck, he he smiles and I just like knowing that he is the, this is spoiler alert. If you haven't seen this episode, he's the perpetrator. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's the bad guy. And like, I cannot unknow that in watching this, but as she walks away and he's like smiling behind her, I just thought to myself, this is what it's like growing up as a woman in America. And I can't speak to Mm -hmm. other countries, but I can Mm -hmm. speak here that as a woman, it's, you're just, we are just conditioned that our beauty and our femininity can be dangerous, that we can be hurt just because we are female mm-hmm. and being nice to guys specifically can lead to yes. pain. And this, this scene right here is like, I feel like it's every woman's nightmare. And it's certainly been mine many, many times yes. where you're just harmlessly nice to somebody. You're just nice, like a normal, nice person. Mm-hmm. And that person becomes like a stalker or they get really creepy or they start following you around or they yeah. like all these things. And then it makes me as a woman never want to be nice to a man ever again, right? Mm-hmm. You don't just want to be polite. You don't want to be casually polite because you never know when it's going to become something dangerous or scary or creepy or unsafe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I lived in New York for a number of years and I remember just being catcalled constantly, um, Ugh, which can gross. be nice for your self-esteem, I guess. But for me, it just was like danger, 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 danger. I remember guys following me around in the store, guys trying to follow me home, guys sitting on my doorstep when I got home. I mean, and you and guys always yelling at me, why don't you smile? You need to smile. Why don't you look prettier? Yeah, you da, should da, 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 smile da. more. Yeah, yeah, all this stuff. And it's like, because if you do the nicest thing, if you do just a simple like, oh, smile or how's your day? suddenly some guy's trying to break into your house and rape you. And it it seems like a really big leap for some people listening, per- perhaps, but it's really not. It's really not. It You know, one in three women are molested. And that's a lot. That's almost all mm-hmm. of us. That's that's one in three that actually come forward, by the way. Mm-hmm. So it's almost all of us. Mm-hmm. And Oh, absolutely. And it happens usually with people that we know. But when it's strangers, a lot of times it's strangers that we've been casually nice to, like someone you smile at at the bar. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you want to get raped in the bathroom. You're just you're just smiling and being polite. And anyways, this whole scene for me was very um I don't know. It just kind of hit a a, a struck a chord inside of me of just being like, see, that's why you can never be nice to anyone. You know, I'm like <laughs> it's so dangerous to just be a normal, nice person. And I'm yeah. very when I'm on public transportation, when I'm out and about, I have a face on. I do not smile at random people. Like I don't do all that unless it's a really safe, well-lit public space because of this scene right here. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I'm off my high horse. And it, no, and it's totally fine because if there are men who are listening who would be offended by this, it's like, then stop being part of the culture that like perpetuates this kind of violence. Like, although I can imagine anybody who's going to, anybody who loyally listens to you and me, two women talk about science fiction are probably not the men who are going to be perpetuating. Oh, they're this absolutely kind of, not. No way. Not the men. <laughs> no. And no. also it's probably a small, a very small portion of men, right? Yeah. All the men that I know, would never do anything like that. Would never even dream of doing anything yeah, like that. Yeah, of course not. Um, of and, course not. It's and just it's just a, like it's that just small scary... fraction that make it dangerous for all of us and that give like all men a bad name. It only yes, takes it's a, a few. few. It's a few bad apples that like spoil the whole bunch. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm a very smiley and chatty person. Um, and I can't tell you how many times somebody has mistaken just my friendliness for a flirtatious behavior. And then you have to have that like, really awkward like i wasn't flirting with you like please back away like now you're freaking me out like not cool not cool yeah he she you know troy didn't have to leave the table to comfort jev um something that jev says really hit me where he said my father finds it amusing to demean me in public i reached the point where i don't want to hear it anymore and i was like oh like i have been in that position and it's awful and but what goes, you do that Jeb did not do is you set boundaries mm-hmm. and you say, hey, that hurt my feelings. And you say, hey, that wasn't cool. And you say, like, don't do that again or yeah. you know, there will be consequences. And Jeb yeah. was just like, 
I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. So that's why your dad treats you like that. Cause you let him treat you like that. He's been treating you like that your whole life. Yeah. And you just let him. Yeah. And, and you, you let him. To. You absolutely don't have to. You don't have to. So you she goes out of her crap. way to give him some comfort. And yeah, as she leaves, like Jeff's smile turns into like a creepy leer and you're like, oh fuck, you know, like already knowing where this is going to go. This is where things start getting really bad. In her quarters, Troy's getting ready to go to bed. And I can't help but notice her her sleep dress is a fabulous off-the-shoulder asymmetrical pink satin dress. She's Lassana's daughter. <laughs> she is. <laughs> and it doesn't look comfy for sleeping. But, but beautiful. This is beautiful. But this is where it bothers me, men writing women. Of course, as a woman, even her bedtime clothes have to be sexy. <laughs> It's like, come you on. Know, I know. Like, I, I sleep can, in a I giant say- sleep shirt and nothing else. And it's comfy and it's not <laughs> fashionable. I have never slept in a silk dress, but that's just me. I sleep in cotton, a cotton shirt and yep. pants. Like, it's <laughs> super simple. Every once yep. in a while when it's hot, it may be a cotton tank top and shorts. <laughs> yes. But I've never slept yes. in a silk dress. No. But, you know, never say never. Um, you know, well, I got to say, at least she's not sleeping in her uniform and boots like Jordy. So <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's a win. As La walks on his daughter, I expect nothing less than a freaking <laughs> silk nighty. That's this is true. what she would wear. Yeah. This is true. Now, she starts to get these fragmented visions that are really disturbing, like coins falling and then her being like placed on the floor by a man like on top of her, but it's it becomes like a repeating, it's like a broken record. She keeps seeing these like golden, turns out they're poker chips like kind of tinkling to the ground and then she keeps getting laid down and you hear this voiceover that's like, Imzadi, I've never stopped thinking about you. And it starts to accelerate. And she's like, no, stop, stop, stop. Imzadi, stop, stop. And then Riker turns into Jev. And she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And starts panicking. And he rapes her telepathically. And it's incredibly disturbing. It's a, it's a. And it's thankfully a, we don't see that part. We just no. see her screaming and then. She's collapsed in her room. Yes. The but next thing you we see is fill in the gaps. But thank yes. God they didn't show it. Oh, thank God for 90s thank TV. Thank God. Yes. <gasps> um, but we do see her in her like silk dress collapsed on the floor with her hot chocolate spilled all over her. And it's like, oh my God, she's on the floor. Um, she looks like she's dead, right? And it's like, yeah, oh my God. Totally. So it's one of the writers um on the team did comment that they really wanted to explore this topic of like a sexual assault and a rape. Um, and they wanted to explore it telepathically. And they said, even though it's a mental violation, it's still a violation of the same impact. And I thought, yeah, no, it really, really is because in Troy's like visions, she can't, she can't tell. She can't escape. Like, she can't, she move, can't, es- she can't yes. get out of there. She can't, she can't can't tell. It's not, you know, it's like being in a dream and like being in a car crash in a dream. Like you don't know it's a dream. You're experiencing Mm -hmm. real emotions Mm -hmm. as though this is real because it is Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah. Um, But thankfully she's not dead. Captain's log tells us that she's in a deep coma and they can't trace why. Oh, poor Troy. And they also can't fix it that Beverly's tried absolutely everything and she just cannot wake her up and she doesn't know what's wrong. She thinks it's yeah. like maybe irisine syndrome, some kind of neurodegenerative disease from like hundreds of years ago. Yeah. But um, the, the data just really doesn't bear that out. There's not a high histamine count. And so she's like, mm, I don't know what this is. And if I can't figure it out, we certainly can't treat her mm-hmm. and snap to the new doctor. We got a black man playing a doctor in the Woo! background. Whoop, whoop. I was like, I'll take one, please. I'll take one for Christmas. Um, I was just so happy to see some, a little bit of color, a little splash of color on the show. Mm-hmm. We got a black man as a doctor and we have another doctor on the ship, which I just was like, yeah, we should have, we should have more yes. than one doctor. That is a good thing. It's yes. great to have nurses and whatnot. And we should probably have other surgeons and everything. Cause honestly, like today, just this is an aside, but today People are specialists in medicine, okay? So a brain surgeon is not a podiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the Enterprise, Beverly is all of the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's a heart surgeon, a brain surgeon. She does all of it. She does, like, fixes bones, all of it. She's so. she's like Troy's <laughs> side chick for telepathy and, like, hypnotherapy as well. So, right. you know, she and does linguistics. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she does a splash of everything. Yeah. Yes. So, anyway, she can't figure out what's wrong with Troy. And she they think 
you know, maybe it has something to do with the Yulians because that's the only kind of change that's happened on the ship. And and Beverly says maybe there's some kind of pathogen they brought on board that the transporters didn't scan out because when people beam in, there's like filters mm-hmm. in the ship that takes out everything, supposedly, unless it can't detect it. So she's like, I'll do some more scans. And Picard's like, make it so. Um, and Riker's like, all right, I will talk to Jeb because he's the last person to see Troy as far as we know, mm-hmm. because Troy left after him and then suddenly she was on the floor. So I'll just go and I'll go and talk to him. So he does. He goes to 10 to talk to Jeb. And it was the most intense and awkward conversation. Oh, 100%. I'm just like, like like how you felt uncomfortable with that earlier one. I felt really uncomfortable in this conversation. And it's not like they said anything that was inappropriate. It just Mm. was the feeling. Yes, he does. Jeff is irritated to be questioned about Mm -hmm. like what he was doing last night. And he does. It it gave me shades of like Devanani Rawl. Yes. It gave that me shades of that. competitive thing. Yes, it's the competitive thing with Riker where Jeff does go to Riker a little and he's like, she has a wonderful sense of humor. And Riker's like bristling because he can't put his finger on why, but like, I feel like you're involved in this. You're mm-hmm. giving me the creepy man vibes. Mm-hmm. And Riker does not like this attitude at all and gets brusque with him and like kind of takes off mid-sentence. Mm-hmm. He's like, great. Thanks for participating. Later. And just like storms off. And Jeb is looking daggers at his back, which by the mm-hmm. way, Years and years of being squashed under the foot of his father has given Jeb the, like, supernatural ability to look daggers at people behind their backs. Right? Yeah. He's so, it's made and him I, so mean. Yes. And I wrote, uh-oh, again, in my notes. It's like, this cannot I go honestly well. didn't know what was going to happen after this. Because, like I said, all I remember is Troy being assaulted. So I was like, huh, okay, well, he agreed, but he didn't seem too happy about it. Next thing you know, Riker's in his quarters and he starts having visions. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. crap. He's attacking Riker. Like, this is such a punk move. Why didn't you attack him to his face? Why didn't you say something to his face? You're going to wait till he's out of the way in his quarters yes. and then sneak into his mind. Yes. Like, this because is the kind is... of man he's he's been he's been turned into basically yes because he's a weasel you know in yes, like the in totally. like um the old tiny movies or the cartoons there's like a playground bully who's got like the ma- he's the mastermind and then he's got his like goons to so, like hold, hold mm-hmm. people's hands behind their backs right yeah this jev is both of those people he's the attacker and the weasel like he's a fucking coward which is why this is his mo to mm-hmm. attack to sneak into people's minds instead of just up front like and boo let me tell you honey Sneaking into everybody's mind is not going to fix your problem with your dad. Okay, like not <laughs> sure fix, not, it's not sure going to fix your dad problem. Maybe it's just, not going to fix your self esteem. It's not going to fix anything. No. It's just going to hurt more people to make you feel temporarily better. Yeah. So you probably should have just talked to Troy. You need a therapist instead of assaulting her. Yes. You needed someone to help you through this whole thing of like I hurt people because I'm hurt. That's yes. Not no. That's not a thing. And that's so, not going to solve anything or fix anything. I felt I felt deeply for Jeff during that welcome dinner because I'm yeah. like, I've been in this position before. Yeah. I've never attacked people to make yes. myself feel better. That does. So when people I'm just going to disclaim right here, when people end up, you know, hurting people and their excuses, like along the lines of like, I never got hugs as a kid. Like, yeah, a lot of people didn't. This is not a choice that they made and you're choosing this. So at some point you have to take responsibility for your fucking behavior and like your autonomy. It's both things. You can feel sorry for how Jev is treated by his father and be outraged by how Jev is treating other people. Both things can happen at the exact same time. Like that is fine. It's not like all black or white or he's a good guy or a bad guy exclusively yeah like there are times no there are times in his life where he's being victimized but there are certainly times in his life where he's victimizing others Mm -hmm. and his victimization does not give him any kind of right no to do that to hurt anyone else at all yeah so he goes and assaults Riker Riker has this vision of it's a memory just like with Troy it was a memory that then gets twisted and warped and distorted yes like a horrifying nightmare that puts them in a coma yeah his memory is of a time when he was in the warp core in engineering next to the warp core something went down something was happening with the warp core sort of core breach in progress yeah some kind of breach radiation i I guess if it breached the the enterprise would blow up but some kind of leak Mm -hmm. 
and the radiation was all over the place. And instead of being Jordy, it was Riker going, go, go, go. I th- I wrote that. I wrote, Riker does the Jordy maneuver when the containment totally door is coming down. Maneuver. And you're like, why is Riker <laughs> even there? I don't know, but he's there. And so he's trying to get everybody out. And there's a guy who runs up to him and goes, hey, um, Ensign so-and-so is still back there. Ensign, Ensign Keller's Keller in there. Keller is in there. You, have to, you can't close the doors yet. You have to like go and get her. And Riker actually goes to start to go get her because he's a total Gryffindor. Um, and he's gonna just like face danger, <laughs> you know. Is. And Jordy, being a Ravenclaw, is like, "Fool, no radiation, uh, uh-uh. uh." So, <laughs> are you like, the Ravenclaw in this situation? Because I'm 100 percent the Gryffindor in this situation. I'm like, I'm running in to save them. You're like, yeah. Hey, in this maybe isn't a good idea. I'm gonna be normally I go with the Gryffindor, but in this one for sure, Ravenclaw. I'm gonna be like, <laughs> yeah, radiation leaks for the whole ship. We're closing that door. Sorry, Ensign <laughs> Kelly. And I mean. Riker does try to beam Kelly out. She's she's screaming from inside there. It's Keller. Yeah. (laughs) Let me out. Yeah. Um, It's (laughs) Riker does try to beam Ensign Keller out, but I guess the radiation, who knows what, this person cannot get out their trap, which is awful. And these are the kinds of decisions military personnel have to make all the time where they have to sacrifice one life or a few lives to save a whole bunch of lives. Yeah. And it's honestly a super hard decision, which is why one reason why I never went to the military because I can't make this kind of decision. Yep. Um, so I, I need to do just that. I need to just not even be in the driver's seat there. But it was a nightmare for him, understandably so. And it kind of makes me think it's a little bit like PTSD, right? Or PTSS. Like, of course, I think all of these officers are gonna have memories of stuff like this, where so they they made a call that led to someone's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that haunts them from time to time. So this memory yeah. is just like really heartbreaking because he really is like, uh, uh, and the guy's just like, you killed her. You killed it and kill her because you let the doors come down. And then that turns into Jeff and Jeff's like, you killed her. You're a killer. And Rick is just like, no, no, no. And then yeah. he passes out and you just see him passed out in his quarters. <sighs> and you're like, oh man, it's like, it's a nightmare. You can't get out. This is just. It's just a really scary thought. I really interesting and really terrifying. Very terrifying. The fact that we, the fact that like we know as the viewers that like Jev is the one doing this because both of the attackers or both of the like nightmares like yeah were, turn you into know, Jev turn into Jev. So it's like okay, so it's fucking Jev. Mm-hmm. But like the thought that like you can't escape is just the worst. Like I do from time to time. I get nightmares often. Mm-hmm. Um, but from time to time they become like night terrors where it's like they're they're deeper and they're stronger and they last longer and you can't really break out of it. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of like that where you're like, oh my god, like it's just your brain is like twisting some horrible like memory into like something awful, right? Or like just creating like a horrible dream out of like no memory, it's just creating a scene, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's awful. I will say Troy was unconscious in the coma overnight. They found her in her quarters the next morning when she didn't report for an appointment. At least, at least Riker was only in, like, he was unconscious without anybody knowing for like a few minutes. Cause the next thing we see is on the bridge and Picard is calling for Riker, who's obviously not at his post and they don't get a response. So Worf goes to find him comatose in his quarters, like instantly. And mm-hmm. Beverly is like, what the F do I do here? Because She's doing a brain scan of Troy and Riker and finds this like electropathic activity that wasn't there before the Yulians visited. And so they both do fit the bill for this irisine syndrome. But irisine syndrome has a very low histamine count and their histamine counts are like normal. So it's like, mm, it, it's it's like irisine syndrome-esque, but like, ah, mm-hmm. uh, the takeaway yeah, and though. and Worf is just like. I think it's the Yulians. It's got to be the Yulians because it all started when they got on board. And Picard's like, um, wait a minute, Worf. Like, that could be a coincidence. Bev scanned them for every kind of pathogen. There's nothing contagious about them. So let's not jump to conclusions. And then Bev's like, well, hold on a minute, Jean-Luc. The takeaway here is that electropathic activity is located in the thalamus, the area of the cerebral cortex that affects memory function. Bum, bum, bum. I like, totally wrote that in my notes. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I think a couple of things here. One, I'm glad that Beverly is a specialist of everything and can and knows this. <laughs> and two, I think it's very sloppy of Jev to be going after the people who are investigating the Yulians. Yes. That right, to me like, was that yeah, was the dumb part to me. Make it make it well, this is the thing. Make it seem more random, like attack another random person mm. from 10 forward. So exactly. that way it just seems like something. Pe- so there's something random, in the air. not just like 
not like the last person who talked to Troy was Jev. Then Riker went to interview Troy, and now Riker's also out. Yes. And then, and then Beverly's later, on hot on the trail, and now Beverly, like... Yeah, it's like, this me, is a little bit... Mm, this is a little yeah, bit... It's not, too obvious. Not well, but that's the thing, though, is when you've got... I mean, it's classic, like, serial killer thing, right? Like, they keep wanting to return to the scene of the crime. They keep, you know, they get more and more and more, like, bold in their mm, attacks. Because they know because, they can't get caught. Because they know they can't get caught until they do. Right. And then yeah. you're like, idiot, <laughs> stop coming back to the scene of the crime. Stop attacking every single person who's investigating you. Cause at some point data is going to be the last person left and you won't be able to attack him. <laughs> so like, what are you going to do then? <laughs> you know? So Tarman is a little huffy at being su- suspected. When Picard oh, and Beverly. Yes. Just a little. This a is little. his pride majorly. This is the narcissism bit where he's like, how dare you? Me? Me? It's like, yeah, buddy, you and your people. Just saying. Picard and Beverly are super diplomatic about it, though. Mm-hmm. But of course, Tarman is offended. And Jev is like the poor put-upon son who's like, father, listen, he smooths things out. And as we know that he's the one attacking people, it is so gross to see how gaslighty he's being. And oh. also, it's kind of like... Like, to me, the way he was so quick to... Because the woman was very... You know, the woman I thought was was perfect she was the perfect lovely. as well yeah she's lovely and she was just like well if we're being accused of something we need to know and like i mean she was just like what do you need from us and jeb jumped in and was like oh yes yes we're happy to help so they both seem so reasonable and so happy to help and knowing that jeb is the creep behind everything i'm like why is he so happy to help like doesn't is he's not afraid that they're gonna find anything and i was like maybe they won't find anything maybe they can't find anything and then in the next mm-hmm. scene we've got beverly like doing her thing and i was like I hope Jeb doesn't like attack her because she's going to do the scans. She's Next hot thing on the trail. Know, yep. She's, she starts having visions. I was like, ah, oh, son of a gun. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again. And, and like these horrible ones. Like, yeah. first of all, her memory flashback is of her and Picard going to identify the body of her husband, Jack Crusher, which is a memory I would pay to have erased. I would Seriously. never want that memory. No. So, Picard, first of all, looks scary AF with like a headpiece with on. that weird toupee. Yeah, like a mm-hmm. weird toupee and like some electronic got a, implant like a on the Borg. side of his head. Yeah, he's got like a Borg implant. Yes. Now that image is up now on our um, Instagram at the TNG podcast because I think it is still one of the scariest shots from TNG. It's just so creepy. It like makes my skin crawl and. His little piece is very cool, though. There's a scene where you can see these LEDs lighting up inside mm-hmm, of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how did they do that? And it's like, do, 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 do. Because yes. there's another scene when they when they show a close-up of his face, and it looks just like a sticker. It looks yes. like they just put a sticker on his forehead, uh, like on his on the side of his face. And I on thought, his temple, yeah. But how did they get the LEDs inside the sticker if it looks, in one scene, it looks totally flat, and in another scene, it looks 3D with lights? Oh, they might have done, like, a few mock-ups, or it might have been, like, some they post-production CGI or was something. Not, not as cool. No, the, no. The lights was very cool. I was like, oh. No. Well, so Special this, effects. this like, audio starts to repeat. Like, you don't have to do this, Beverly. She's like, no, I need to. Like, I need to identify him. And it pulls back, you know, it, they pull back the sheet several times because it's a, like, memory on loop. And Picard becomes Jev. Dear God. And then poor Jack Crusher's dead and, like, lacerated body opens its eyes and animates. And it's also Jev. And poor Beverly just starts screaming her head off. And I thought, this poor woman has had multiple dead bodies reanimate on her. Mm-hmm. I think I would take a sabbatical for a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. And the poor woman is, like, cornered. And she's got her hands up. And she's screaming and screaming. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, I've seen this scene many times because I've watched this episode a bunch. It still scares the shit out of me every time. They do yeah. such a great job at like making the viewer like relate, you know, mm-hmm. to like these poor people who are being attacked. And of course, Beverly goes comatose. Now we've got the one specialist on the team is going comatose. I know, but at least we have Dr. Uh, Martin. And now we know why we have Dr. Martin so that we can have a doctor in sick bay when our one doctor is out of commission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thankfully, she's only out for a few minutes because Data and Jordy come to find her. She had passed Jordy with looking for all these different compounds that could potentially be causing this, this, um, these comas. Yeah. And I love the, com- the conversation that Jordy's having with the computer and engineering, because he's going through this, like, 
expanded list of the periodic table items. <laughs> He's like, well, what about this and this and this breaks down into this and this and all these compounds that don't exist. It was as a scientist, I just totally geeked out about that part. That was super fun. But he comes to give her the report, which is nada. We found nothing, nothing at all that could explain this. And they walk in and they see Beverly is hunched over her desk and she is out and down for the count. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh my goodness, like, can things get any worse? So in the next scene, we see Picard um, asking Data to go back to the 11 planets that the Yulians were on mm-hmm. and to see if they could find any unexplained comas. Because at this point, they're like, we've kind of ruled out absolutely everything. Yeah, It's got to be something to do with the Yulians. We don't know what it is. We can't put our finger on it. It's and of course, they can't, be. they can't see it because it's telepathic. They wouldn't even you know, know. Yeah. But Picard says, I think the best course of action is for us to confine them to quarters. And Jordy goes, um, is that really going to be effective against telepaths? Like, is <laughs> yeah. a door really going to do much? And then Picard goes, well, I don't see we have any other choice. Is a guard going to do much? Is putting them in the brig going to do much? It's the same problem mm-hmm. as long as they're physically still on the ship. And I thought that's that's a really good, both are really good points. That my first thought was like, what's that going to do? And then and then when he explained it, I was like, oh yeah, that's true. There's nothing they, if they're doing something telepathically, there's nothing they could do to stop them. Yeah. They could take out the whole ship if they wanted to, except for data, as you mentioned before. And I also want to say that what's interesting about how they kind of twisted the idea of rape into mental violations is that, mm-hmm. as you see, with Troy, it was a sexual violation yeah. in her mind. But with yes. both Riker and Beverly, there was no sex involved at all. Yeah. It was just as traumatic and invasive and destructive. Yeah. But it wasn't sexual. And so I actually do like that. And I think that's what took the edge off of this episode for me is that it wasn't about sexual assault over and over and over. Yeah. I, like yeah. I watch a lot of crime dramas, as you know, <laughs> and I read a lot of crime novels as well. And they like there's this one author. I had to stop reading his books because every single book women are getting raped over and over. Oh, and I'm just God. like every book, Buddy. There's like 20 books in the series, every yeah, no. book. And I was just like, I just can't keep reading about women getting assaulted. Like, pick a different thing that people could do to another person. Yeah. There's lots of crimes you can do that are not sexual. Pick a different crime that you could be investigating um, because it's like this detective stories. And so I just had to stop reading it. So I actually really appreciate that in this episode, that they're saying violations could extend beyond sexual violations, Mm -hmm. which is true. Um, and And yeah, and I just think that that made it more like, easy for me to watch this episode yeah. and be like, wow, Jeff is a creep all around. Mm-hmm. Not just, he's not just a pervert. He's a creep all around. He's mm-hmm. a tiny man who wants to hurt people so he can feel big and important. And I want some serious justice at the end. Yes. We got a little taste of, it. I wanted more. I don't yeah. know what, I just wanted so much more to just feel like there was well, some kind some of balance stuff, restored. Some stuff starts to happen very quickly. That's like starting to accelerate. Like, getting us to justice hopefully hopefully (laughs) um as they're trying to determine what happened a nurse calls picard to let him know that troy has regained consciousness and she has no memory of what happened how did i get here how long have i been out and they're like three days she's like three days and they're like can you tell us anything she's like i was hoping you could tell me what happened and they were like dang it we were hoping you could tell us what happened yeah, you know she's like i was in my quarters and then i woke up here so i was, like, I was brushing my hair and suddenly yes which not is only like, was she violated she was also like mind roofied yes yes so it's like dang it so troy consents to having her memory probed of whatever it was that caused her to fall comatose and Worf and picard go with her and she's reliving it all and she's lucid enough to be talking through it and she's like the falling poker chips and she's like oh yeah. it's right okay Jeff like, is the one who's helping her retrieve this memory because yeah. carmen wants nothing to do with any of this at this point yep yeah and because he's been accused and how dare they so he storms off in a huff don't you know who i am yes exactly and then the female yulian is there for moral support but Jeb is the one walking her through this memory saying relive it step by step and it's exactly what you said it's like the serial killer thing like yeah. when the serial killer is the detective or whatever, you know, yes, you're yes, like, yes. Ugh. You're like, shit. So she has, she ends up reliving the rape, which is like, oh my God, how awful for her. A second time, poor Deanna, but Jeff supplants his face in the memory with his father's face. So then Deanna comes to and she's like, it's Tarman, it's your father. And Jeff's face looking distraught is so fucking punchable i was like Mm. i wanted to reach into the tv 
and punch this dude in the face. Like he's looking like, oh, my father. Oh my God. How awful. And I was like, wow, dude. Wow. Like, fuck you in particular. Like this guy (laughs) makes me so mad. Now, Jeff does meet with Picard on his own and says, and this is the part where I was like, oh my God, like evil leveling up. Like if you want to, if you want your people to press charges against my father, you know, you're free to do so. And Mm -hmm. I understand the punishment for this kind of crime can be quite severe. And in my mind, I was hearing that song, You're as cold as ice. Like, I'm just hearing this, like, piano playing, like, the piano. <laughs> but all I'm hearing is, You're as cold as ice. Because the length that Jeb is willing to go to to exact revenge on his narcissistic father is terrifying. Like, he is willing to destroy people's lives. Yes. To like and get some petty revenge on his dad. Yes. But you know what he's not he willing to do? do? You know Confront what he's not him? willing to do? Yes. Just have a conversation with his dad and set some boundaries. That's what he's not willing to do. Yeah. But he is willing to just go planet to planet to planet, assaulting people left and right, leaving, to make himself feel better. Destroyed lives in people's yeah. wakes. I mean, I guess he do- he doesn't because he wipes their memories. He roofies them. So when they wake up, they don't know yeah. what happened. They just know something bad went down. But they don't know what, and they just kind of go on with their lives. So awful. Um, so they're not as destroyed as they would be had they remembered. However, he's absolutely going through and attacking people willy-nilly yeah. to make himself feel and, good. And, and, and the then when he gets ones. caught, he skirts to the yes. side and puts the spotlight yes. on his dad, like as ultimate revenge because it was convenient. Which which cracks me up because Jeff is going to feel all better that Tarman is being severely punished for something he his didn't crimes. do. But, like, I think the more satisfying thing, if I were in Jeff's shoes, which I would never be, but if I were, I would want Tarman to know that it was me who, like, you know, it's like you finally get your revenge Mm -hmm. on someone who's done you dirty all these years, and you want them to know that it was you who did this to them. Tarman will never know what happened. He's like, Mm -hmm. no, it wasn't me. And that's it. Like, he would literally never know. So, like, is that revenge really this juicy? Because you're such a fucking coward that, like, you can't let Tarman know that like it was you all along who like he's mm-hmm. paying the price for something that you did it's like no you're right he's willing to he's willing to hurt people and attack people but he's not willing to be like maybe you've just been kind of a dick to me the whole time because you're competing with me so mm-hmm. I don't like and I'm that. not playing this game anymore that's it one two three four I'm not playing anymore like we learned that as a little kid Oh, well, at this point, there are seven minutes left, and I genuinely don't remember how this will resolve itself, which was kind of delicious. Because it's like, ooh. Yeah. It it's like, sort a, of it's like a bonus ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So during this conversation where Picard's just like, we we can't punish him. We have no – you may have laws against Tarman, and I know you've uh, contacted the whole world about it, but we have no laws against this kind of mind invasion. It's not even something we've thought about. And I would say – I mean, that's interesting that with all the telepaths in the Federation, that this has never come up before, but it kind of makes sense because all the telepaths with, you know, Vulcans can do this, but they do like a mind melt. So it's a little different, but all the other telepaths we see can know your thoughts and your memories, but they can't change them. The aliens can, they can go in, they can pull out memories. And apparently looking at Jeb's powers, because, you know, Tarman's like the most gifted of the group, but apparently Jeb has some powers Tarman knew nothing about. Mm -hmm. He can come into the memory and switch it up and change the characters in the memory and change what they're doing and change how it goes. I mean, he can actually invent brand new memories on top of old memories. Like this is a whole nother level. Um, But after he leaves and Picard's just like, that was awful. um, Data uh and and Jordy have been like on the hunt all this time to figure out what's going on and um Picard tells Data inform all the planets that have been affected by these comas so that they know what really happened because they deserve to know the truth yeah they deserve to know that their coma was not uracine syndrome that it was actually mm-hmm. this mental assault so now like the charges are stacking up and Data and Jordy are like okay we will do but we're not done with our investigation yet when we finish we'll we'll inform everybody mm-hmm. and so as they're kind of looking through all the details they're like hmm this is kind of this is weird we're seeing all these different at first they were looking for comas and they couldn't didn't find any and they looked for irisene syndrome and then they found all these cases mm-hmm. of irisene syndrome all over these planets mm-hmm. and they're like okay and at this point you're like oh so this wasn't just like a one time two time three time thing on the enterprise mm-hmm. this is a pattern that's probably been going on for years 
for as long as you've had this ability, which is awful. Terrifying. Yeah. Ma- oh my gosh. Just like how many people. So anyways, we go to Troy's quarters and well, Jeff. Well, before that, Dita and Jordy do realize in their findings that there are two planets who had recorded unexplained comas that weren't Eocene syndrome, but Tarman was on his home planet at the time. And the only person who was present through all of the comas was Jeb. So now it's like, uh-oh, the team. So now they know what we know. Yes. Now they know what we know. That and it was Jeb, Jeb. Like a fucking sociopath. Yep. And Jeb, like most sociopaths, gets a kick out of returning to see the crime. And he pops by to visit Troy to apologize for his father. Okay, buddy. And say goodbye. And I wrote in my notes that creepy little worm. <laughs> because he comes by to apologize and say goodbye and he really was going to just like walk away but then troy being troy is very nice to him and it's just like it's not your fault it's your dad's fault you're not responsible for his actions i mean she's just so like understanding she's nice yeah she's just a nice person <laughs> she's like a regular old nice person yes. and he turns and looks at her with this predatorial stare and it's just like why do you have to be so nice why do you have to be so lovely and then he puts his fingers to his temples and starts assaulting her mentally again and you're just like because she was nice to you like this is this is why i don't like being nice to people this right here so <laughs> you never know what's gonna happen from you just being casually nice to just just be a regular person yeah so she as she's starting to have these visions she's like it was you it was you all along and she realizes it was him and you just see her like kind of getting weaker physically she goes to reach for a comm badge and he grabs her wrist he and pulls rips away. it off of her yes he rips off the comm badge and you're just like oh crap she's so screwed and you just see her kind of like uh oh like she's getting weak because this mind violation causes them to freaking pass out and i just was like i was i was freaking out at the scene because i didn't remember the scene at all like not at Me all neither. so i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh and then troy gets this boat burst of energy and starts beating the crap out of Jev and I like stood up and applauded as I was watching this episode I was like yes I mean she picks up a data pad and hits him over the head she kicks she needs him in the groin she does does, like the two hand the two-fisted punch like on the side of his head she just fights however she can she's fighting as hard as she can she's like no you won't not again and he's way too strong for her like he like quickly overpowers her um but the fact that she was able to fight with the littlest bit of strength Mm -hmm. that she had left in her body i was just like yes girl yes and that was enough to like break his hold of her mind and at that moment war thankfully comes in with the whole security team and just slaps him just like backhand he does he does that he does the heel of the palm bit where he like which is actually in self-defense a really powerful move if you hit somebody with the heel of your like the butt of your palm on the bridge of their nose it'll break their nose really easily and when somebody has a broken nose it not only is there like instant pain, but it's not the same as like kicking somebody in the nuts. It's like, it creates like, you get like temporarily blinded and stuff. So it's very effective. And he comes in and just delivers the heel submission to this dude. Oh my God. Thank I actually rewound God. that part to watch it again. I was like, yeah, like it was just a really, I like was totally <laughs> surprised. Um, And then, you know, Worf kind of holds his arms back and you're like, yeah, we got you sucker. And um, Troy's like panting and Data comes over to be like, are you okay? And Troy's just like, how did you know? Like, I just found out it was Jeb. How did Mm -hmm. you know? And then Data explains to Troy that through their investigations, they discovered that Jeb was the only one present during all the instances of unexplained comas and irisene syndrome. So they knew it had to be him. Um, And then it's kind of like, well, everything is solved. Next scene, we're in the observation lounge. Well, where Tarman is now the one talking to Picard about, well, there's going to be some some serious consequences, you know, like the same speech that Jeb was giving about Tarman two seconds Mm -hmm. ago. You know, now Tarman's the one giving the speech about his own son. And he also says, he says a couple things. He says the best doctors in the world have been contacted to help Beverly, Riker, and Troy recover from this trauma. And they were like, and it's a, we haven't, we haven't seen this crime in 300 years years yeah but there are treatments in our archives or in our records for this exact type of crime and i was just like oh my gosh you know and beverly was like yes they've already been in contact thank you so much like they're gonna help us whatever and then picard gives us like moral of the story where he's just like well the seed of violence remains in each of us and i just was really irritated (laughs) i was like not the moral of the story again okay because this is a really big issue 
a lot of big things have been going on. I think we just need to let it sit and let people sit with their own thoughts and interpretations mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. I don't need Picard to say the seed of violence is in all of us and could potentially consume any one of us, just like it did poor Jev. Poor freaking Jev. Like, I don't want... False. Like, I understand... I think I understand where they're going here of saying like, well, any of us could, you know, mentally assault someone if given the right circumstances, I guess is what he was trying to say. I don't really know what the point of this was, which is why I hate the moral of the stories. Like I hate the moral of the stories because what moral could you possibly bring from this particular story? It's just an awful thing that happened. A guy who assaulted people for whatever reasons, do we need to know his reasons? Not really. And yeah. people trying to recover from what happened to them. Yeah. The end. Like- I think I think what Picard was trying to say, and I totally see how you feel that way. I think what Picard was trying to say was, you know, not that like it could happen to any of us, but what I think he was trying, he was trying to create some parallels between the Yulians and humans. And he's like, you know, my people hundreds of years ago were also very, very violent and it threatened to tear apart the fabric of our society and that seed still exists in all of us. So, like, don't beat yourself up too much. Like, it could have happened to any of us. Which I'm like, mm, I feel like you should have stopped two two sentences ago, Picard. Yeah, it's- because notice Tarman, even though he was kind of a creeper, in the beginning he was all flirting with Beverly and trying to, like, get in her mind. Yeah. Um, he didn't. He didn't assault anybody. No. Nope. Yeah, he didn't. No. Nope. <laughs> so, nope. Like, it didn't happen to him. Yeah. And he could have easily done this, and he didn't. Yep, I agree. So, I have some final thoughts on this episode. Um. I'd like to see more counseling here to help the victims. I like that it is alluded to. That's like, we have our best doctors who are going to treat you and everybody else on the 11 planets that we've been to because this needs to just not be swept under the rug, which I was like, yay. You know, Mm -hmm. I am not a rug sweeping person. I fucking hate that. Just deal with your issue and like move on. Like that's, you know, and some things you can't move on from forever. You know, it's like this kind of thing will be with Troy forever until of course next week when she finds love so it's like eh. but the other thing by here forever is, we mean for the next seven days yeah <laughs> my my main final thought though here is poor troy the times that this woman has been assaulted especially in a sexual nature is very upsetting mm-hmm. i am troubled by how much in television and movies the sexy female character gets assaulted time and time again in a sexual nature which i feel perpetuates that very dangerous question of like well were you asking for it in some way what were you wearing at the time if this episode were written today and somebody had to be like mentally you know telepathically sexually assaulted i'd like to see a very buttoned up very physically conservative character experience that and see how it changes the narrative because troy is a you know she's a sexy character and so for her to experience rape over and over again doesn't seem like a big deal and i think that that's really dangerous because it the questions of what were you wearing at the time oh well you're just kind of a sexy person and like i have seen In my work as a teacher, I have seen and heard about like third grade and second grade girls being sexually assaulted by teachers. And then like the teacher was discovered and like charges were pressed and all of this stuff. And that kind of stuff really shook the school that I was like working for at the time years ago. I'm not there at that school anymore, but I cannot tell you how many times male and female teachers were like, well, that, that girl has always acted kind of like overly sexual for her age. it's like, wait a second. That does not in any way explain or make it better as to like, why like a pedophile was like preying on Mm -hmm. these students or this counselor or this, whatever, like that Mm -hmm. to me, I, I fucking hate the, like, what were you wearing at the time? Or were you asking for it by being sexy in some way? Like that is not the message at all. And that, and I, and I feel like they, I, I hear you. And I feel like they don't do that. They do that to Troy in writing where she's always the one getting assaulted, but the crew does not do that to her. Like at no point yes. were they like, here we go again, Troy. Mm-hmm. It's always you, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like they didn't do any victim shaming. Um, they were just very understanding. I don't know. I, I don't understand how they were so understanding, honestly, but they were very understanding when they thought it was Tarman. They're like, oh, Jeb, it's not your fault. They totally get. And then when they realized it was Jeb, they're, oh, Tarman, you know, it's not your fault. Like everybody has. Yeah, I'd be like, you I'm know what? Like, I think I'm good on Yulians. I think I'm good. Like, don't come back on the ship. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, I don't know what my takeaway message would be had I been on the ship during all of this. But um, 
I know my moral of the story would not be that there's a seed of violence in all of us. Like yeah. that would not be my takeaway. My takeaway would be like, I don't know what, but that's not what it would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. In any in any case, my final thoughts on this episode were that this was an incredibly compelling episode. This was. is not the kind of episode you can just walk away from, go to the kitchen, get a snack, come back. Oh, it's still on. It's like glued to the edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. What is going to happen next episode? And I honestly, other than the monster makeup, which I didn't love, I cannot find anything wrong with this episode. You know, and the content is yeah. like traumatic, but like it's compelling. Yes. It's, it's a it, well-told it story. Is. It is compelling. I think if there hadn't been any sexual assault um, in the episode, it would be like top three or top five for me. Um, but yeah, it is It is super compelling. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a really good episode. Now, of course... We want to share this information. If you or someone you know has experienced sexual assault, please know that help is available. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is open 24 hours a day. Please speak with somebody. The number is 1-800-656-4673. Just know that you are not alone. Um, Sharice, I've really loved talking about this episode with you. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about next week's episode, season five, episode 13, the masterpiece society. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at the TNG to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.